Hey everybody, welcome to uh, Midweek in the City. And uh, we are bringing Midweek back. Um, yes, yes we are. Uh, we, it's, we've been on hiatus, we've been on hiatus for far too long. And so um, eventually by, the, by November, I would like to fill this room up. I really would. And, and uh, what? With people, with people. Oh my gosh. Uh, Okay, well, I'm, I'm giving us a long ramp. Uh, all right, all right. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, yeah, by the end of tonight, yes. Uh, okay, um, we are starting, well, if we can uh, get a little non-music here. Uh, we're starting a series tonight uh, that will go all the way through November, uh, the first uh, Wednesday in November which is, what happened? Oh, sorry. Um, and um, the, the series is uh, living like Jesus is actually real. And um, we're gonna take the, the launching point for that uh, from a place in the New Testament um, where Paul talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, which are four or nine realities commonly known as the evidence of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit of God. And so um, we, if you've been in church at all uh, for any length of time, you've heard this, the fruit of the Spirit, that is the results of uh, spirit, the spiritual life. But what does it really mean? If you haven't been in church in a long time or you don't remember, um, then that's all meaningless babble to you. But these words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, I, I think that these words mean something and that you would want to live in a world in which those things were operating in the lives of people around you um, and it, what would it be like never to have to worry if someone will wait for you? You know, just because how, how often do you feel like you're, you're playing catch up with everybody else um, or with self-imposed deadlines or, or you can imagine uh, bosses or uh, teachers or family members saying, what's wrong with you? Why, you know, why aren't you up to speed? Um, what if you lived in a world uh, in which people would wait for you patiently? If there were, if there were patience just you know, coming out of, of everyone's mind and heart. Um, it, in a world in which, uh, what if you lived in a world in which um, you could count on people to do what they said they were going to do. Um, and nobody would let you down again. Nobody would break your heart again. Um, I mean, faithfulness, you know? Faithfulness. So, um, these are far more than boxes that we check. It's a kind of life 
And we're going to be talking about the eternal kind of life. It's, it's a kind of life that, will ne that cannot be extinguished. It's a kind of life that nothing threatens. These nine things describe a life that doesn't die. And um, ultimately, it's the exact kind of life that Jesus lived, which, was, which is why people still talk about Jesus. Um, it, it's the kind of life that never goes away. And uh, if you will believe it, it's why Jesus is still alive. Um, so it's not magic, y'all. It is a kind of life. Um, and so this is what we're going to be exploring, a certain kind of life. Um, and we're starting with love tonight. And so I want to read a passage of scripture uh, to you. And it's from uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. And the next chapter is what we call the love chapter. And uh, because he talks about love. And so that's, that's what we're going to uh, explore tonight, is love. But we're not only going to talk about love, we're going to talk what it looks like to live um, in love. So, um, and how we might learn that. And, and by the way, that's really what we're after here, is learning the eternal kind of life. Not just hearing about it or saying, wouldn't that be nice if but learning it. And so uh, sort of like learning a language, you know, or learning a skill. Um, these are things you can actually learn. They are. And uh, it's much bigger than a hobby because it is actually something that will, that will transform um, the, the, the daily um, life that you have with others. And so, um, anyway, that's what we're going to be looking at. So, let me pray for us and then we'll continue. Lord, we have to count on you because you're the highest place we have to go. And so, we pray that we will, um, over these next weeks, and including tonight, that we will begin to learn an unstoppable kind of life, an eternal lasting kind of life. Um, and quite frankly, Lord, I pray that we will learn this so that we don't have to be afraid anymore. In Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, um, now, uh, before we actually uh, roll on tonight, I do want to say that, that we are coming back with Midweek in the City. This is uh, the launch tonight, uh, relaunch. And um, food, we, we do have food. We have plenty of food out there. If you want more food, uh, then go take food. There will probably be food for you to take home if you want to do that. So uh, eat it. It's paid for, just eat it. Um, and uh, somehow it just sounds less attractive, doesn't it? It's paid for, just eat it. Um, uh, so anyway, that's food, everyone. Um, friendship. Just eat it. Just oh, just, yeah, okay, all right. Weird Al. Uh, okay, 
uh, friendship, you will befriend those you sit at table with. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Box checked. Uh, okay. No, there, there is, who knows, by November, a, a new friend. I, I don't know. Um, friendship and frank conversation. Uh, no, conversation. It's, it's another family line. Uh, the conversations, uh, they go back, way back. Um, so um, one of the things I would like to do is blow up cliches. I don't want to say... Uh, I don't want to speak in cliches. I don't want uh, us to speak in cliches. And so I will press you uh, to be, to say what you mean. Some of you have no problem with that. <laughs> I'm not going to make any eye contact. Um, but, but many of us, and sometimes preachers do this, uh, we lapse into cliche or church speak, uh, and we don't really... Uh, we, we just say those things as fillers. And so uh, even things that sound like we're trying to be authentic, like if I say to you, yeah, after, uh, after we're done tonight, I hang around and I'd like to connect with you. Well, what does that mean? That, that, that's supposedly, I remember the first time I heard that, it was in 1990. And Louis Giglio, whom some of you know and have heard of, was doing this um, event weekly at Baylor University. I was already gone from Baylor by then, but I, I remember I traveled to Baylor one night because I wanted to see what was going on with Louis Giglio. And he used that word, so hang around afterwards uh, if you want to connect. And I thought, man, that sounds so cool. I can hardly stand it. I, I thought, that must be the new way of saying fellowship. I want to fellowship with everybody. But, um, and so I was all tired of that cliche, and so I, I just opted for a new cliche called connect. And, but what, and this, I'm not, if you talk like that, that's fine. But um, what I'm saying is, I want us to say, I, I would like to visit with you. What, whatever happened to that? Uh, I want to speak with you. I want to talk with everybody, uh, with you or with others. Or um, I, I think maybe, we could start some friendships in here. Um, I, I want us to talk real, you know? And so if you hear cliched words coming out of my mouth, then disconnect from me, if you would. Uh, no, uh, d tell me and, and I'll uh, not say those anymore. Uh, okay, um, so frank conversation, frank conversation. I want us to be people who say what we mean, mean what we say. That's a great cliche. And, oh, that's a cliche, okay. I want people, I want to say, I want to speak without guile. You know what that means? It means to speak transparently. And so, you know, let's try to do that. And is that a cliche also? I want to speak, um, Sometimes it's a cliche because it's true. So. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Uh, let's connect afterwards. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, all right. So, but you're right. Sometimes it's a cliche because it's. But anyway, I, Frank Conner, and and also not just how we talk about things, but um, I I want to. 
I want us to strive for it. If you do not perceive me talking about how we can learn to live in a certain way, and I start talking about platitudes and just uh, sort of um, sort of unreachable, you know, we must we must love one another, and we must make sure that we are we have love in our hearts for each other. What does that really mean? That's not specific enough. If we're going to learn to live in a certain way, we need specificity. So um, let's let's stay on task there. Uh, but also, frank conversation can be enjoyable too. It doesn't have to be harsh and you know overbearing, and it shouldn't be really. Um, and speaking of harsh and overbearing. The Single Adults Retreat is happening in November. The reason I say harsh and overbearing, wait a minute, is because the theme is exactly the opposite of that. The theme this year is unburdening your life. Okay? You have carried too much for too long. I don't even know you, all of you. I know some of you. I don't know all of you well. But you've carried, I can say this. And I don't think I'm um, insulting you by saying this, but I, what I am saying is you've carried too much for too long. How do I know that? Because that's the tendency for human beings is to carry, attempt to carry more than we can carry. Why? Because we don't trust others with our burdens. Why? Because we have we have experienced pain uh, and we know when to shut up because of pain that we've experienced and we know when to keep secrets and we know when to close off and et cetera, et cetera. So we just build up over a lifetime and nobody comes in and says, why don't you lay that down? And it is the saddest thing in the world. And it's why Jesus said, I'm going to, if you, if you live with me, um, I will teach you how to carry it, a load that doesn't crush you. Um, and so, uh, unburdening your life. We're not going to, and by the way, we're not going to be talking about wouldn't it be nice if we could all believe Jesus enough for that. That's another way of cliched talking. If we just have a little more faith, then maybe we can catch a glimpse of that. No, we're going to be talking about learning to unburden. What does that mean? What does that look like to unburden your life? How does that work? How does it work? So, um, that'll be $150, please. Uh, and I don't mean to add that financial burden on you, but hey, y'all, <laughs> we gotta pay the bills and keep the lights on. Uh, so, it, it is, if you want to lead an unburdened life, it's gonna cost you $150. Um, 
But wait, there's more. Uh, no, uh, yeah, right. You get a free tote bag, huh? Free. Yeah, free free, kids. Uh, so no, um, this is not a profit scheme here, profit taking kind of deal. This is just to cover the costs of where we're going to be in Wimberley, Texas, and so um, 150 bucks that covers everything. Uh, okay, so. You can actually go now and sign up at fbcsa.org slash single adults retreat and um, pay your 150 bucks and you'll get a free t-shirt. Uh, you will, you, you actually will, except it's not free, it's part of the 150 bucks. But anyway, uh, it just seems like it's free, but maybe, not, maybe it doesn't even seem like it. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's the single adults retreat in November, which is not that hard to uh, think about now because the heat is just beginning to back off just a little bit. So we can kind of imagine it backing off a little bit more. November 15th through 17th. Next week, is joy sustainable? Is it realistic and is it sustainable? I asked this question and it, it uh, would seem to elicit the answer of yes, because you know this is church and blah, blah, blah. But I really want us to explore this question. Is joy sustainable? Because you know things happen in life that seem to bump up against joy, maybe even uh, throw it off track. Um, what is it? Is it sustainable? And in case you're wondering if the cliche Happiness is temporary, but joy is forever. You know, I'm, don't let anybody get away with that. Go, what do you mean by that? What do you mean happiness is temporary, but joy is forever? That, that doesn't mean anything unless, unless you explain what that means. And, you know, is that even correct? You know, so um, anyway, is joy sustainable? How do you live in it? Uh, so... That's, that's what we're going to be looking at. Tonight, what is love? There's more to tonight than just that, but what is it? Um, and behind this question is actually uh, another question, and that is, is love, in fact, the animating force of the universe? Is it? Um, it would anything be possible, and I mean anything, even existence without love. Without love, would anything even exist? Atoms, molecules, uh, you know, thoughts, would anything exist? And so what is love? We're gonna be looking at that tonight, but first, but first, at these tables at which you sit, talk about these questions. Um, can you recognize love? You know it when you see it. What evidence is required for you to say, oh, I identify that as love, okay? And second, um, how does the strength of love stack up to other modes of human interaction? That is justice. It, I want you to compare love to other things. Um, the use of force. Uh, what? whatever else you can think of. Uh, how does love compare to those things? So 
Um, talk about these questions, interpret them whatever ways that you want, and we'll come on back in just a second and have more conversation. But right now, just have a swing in time. Uh, okay.
Good. I, I am going to. I have not. I read uh, just a synopsis of the article. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm just thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so. It's so good for Oh, absolutely. And for him. And for him, yeah. Yeah. He says it's his career really got started with the Appreciated Day on C.S. Lewis. Fifteen years ago, ten years ago. Wow. And that allowed him to get his first book published and just opened up lots of doors. Wow. So great. So now, yeah, get it right now. Oh man, it's really, really cool. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, slightly. Wow, it's awesome. So, very good. Very good. So, I have to head out. Fred, I say Oh, Fred. Okay. Okay. I understand. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Always. Every week. Through the first Wednesday in November. Anyway. Okay. So, anyway. Thanks. Right well. Okay. So, uh, tell Cameron. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. We'll miss you, your thought at the table, but I get it. It's a good time. Well, I, yeah, I know. I can hear calls. Right. Our theme for the year in Geneva is love. So I've been. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. Really, I, I'd like to hear how you, how you, uh, 
uh, realized that theme. So yeah. let's talk. Okay. Good. All right. See you later. Okay, everybody. Um, what? What? Uh, how did you speak to these questions? Let, let's talk about that. Um, this uh, this notion of how do you how would you recognize love if you saw it? Uh, talk about that, or let me in on on your conversation there. Many ways, okay, but you got to be specific. We have specificity here. Yes. Addicts are not here anymore, but addicts have shared that uh, one of those many ways is affection. 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 Okay. True affection. So, and actually, Kevin, many ways you set the stage for us. So let's name them. Uh, so affection. Yes, uh, affection. I, I, the first thing that came to my head is uh, forgiveness and mercy. Mm. When you forgive someone that owed you something, yeah. you're not going to take revenge. Is that an act of love? I do believe that's okay. an act of love, at least for me. I don't know for you. Okay. All right. All right. Caring is another one. Caring? Caring. What does that mean, to to exhibit caring? What is, to be caring, nurturing to somebody. Nurturing. Help, help them with something. Yeah. How about sympathy? Sympathy, compassion, caring. Empathy is huge. Uh, in fact, probably more huge than sympathy, even. Caring is honest, too. Honest. Caring is honest. How do you make the connection between those two things? Yeah, I think, well, maybe I should just say love is honest. But the thought I have is um, if you're not being honest, it's not real. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a drawing back of the curtains. Uh, there's an honesty there, an open kind of life. Um, yes. Laura? The thing that came to my mind was the genuineness, but also genuineness, yeah. not self-seeking. Like we can we can do a lot of these things, caring, being honest, you know, 
yeah. having sympathy, but have a motive to somehow get something out of it for ourselves. Yeah, and that can be really subtle mm -hmm. uh, if we if we are self self seeking is very subtle, and we sort of gloss over uh, later on. Um, Paul, well, we won't get to it tonight, I don't think. Um, but Paul will talk about the fact that love is not self-seeking. He talks about that in, in that chapter. And we sort of gloss over that. But he actually was calling out a big secret. Um, and, and, and if we stop and think about it, we will understand that it is that self-seeking is a big secret that we are we do not want to talk about because we we all know how to do something uh, for our own benefit and mask it to look like something for somebody else's benefit. This is this is a common theme in sitcoms. Um, you know, in which you know you might have a husband and wife, and the husband wants to go to the big game, and so he helps out around the house. You know, I mean, that's kind of lame, but it, it's and and then later on, the wife finds out, you know, and then there's hell to pay, yeah, right? Um, so, you know, and, and that's just an example of sort of lazy comic writing, but um, but the we all have the ability to do that and to do it pretty well pretty well um, but when you get wind of it it is disgusting isn't it um, because it's not honest and that's a jolt and it's 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 very painful it's devastatingly painful so what else? Uh, evidences of love. Evidences of love. How about, um, did somebody have something? Over here? Oh, yes. Trust and vulnerability. Trust and vulnerability. Trust and vulnerability. Yeah. To love, there's a, there's a, well, you say you said it well. Uh, vulnerability. Uh, I almost said weakness. Um, and and I I think I think I will use that word weakness um, there because it, it's a little jolting to use that word in a in a sense that would be desirable. But weakness. Jesus became weak. For our sakes, the Bible says he became poor for our sakes. But poor poverty is linked with weakness. There, in fact, that's what poverty is: is is a lack of voice in the social order. We think of it as lack of money, but that's just a symptom. Poverty uh, is a more the more central issue of poverty is is disenfranchisement. You have no voice. And it's symbolized by no money, of course, uh, or little money, power, money, power, uh, influence. You have very little of any of those, and you're weak. And Jesus became weak because he became poor. 
for our sakes. Um, so what does that mean? Um, so that we could, you know, he became, he was just slumming for a while. No, I think that actually what, what we come to realize is that if we become like Christ, we become weaker. But there is a corresponding strength in the fellowship and a trust of people that we don't need to have the front of strength. We don't need to front with strength because we can trust one another. So uh, it's just all crazy. Yes? I don't know where I heard it, but I heard someone say something along the lines of loving someone means knowing the worst things about them and their, their biggest pitfalls and working to protect them instead of using it. I love that. I love that. Um, there was a Russian Orthodox priest in the early 20th century who said something very like that. He said that, that well, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he said, um, well, what he said was that we, he was talking about the, in the context of friendship, and he said, a friend um, recognizes the weakness in his, in his friend recognizes his friend's weaknesses and there is a shared understanding there and and it's very tender those weaknesses are dear they don't repulse you they they cause you to come in close weakness y'all what um, Paul says if I speak in, in in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak, he says, basically, Paul says, I'm going to take the, the most grand things that religious people could ever think of, uh, and really the whole world could ever think of, but he's speaking in a, in a religious context. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, okay, um, and he says, if I have the gift of prophecy um, and can... And, and I am not um, sidetracked by mysteries and uh, all that if I have all knowledge. Uh, if I am generous, so generous that I would just give my life for the poor. If, if I do all of that, but I do not have love, even if, I ha even if I'm a person of great faith, but, I, but love is not the source of those things, um, then it doesn't even matter. It doesn't change one iota of human history, and it will not reshape the world, and it will not save anybody's life. And um, so we're going to come back to that in a second. But I, I, I want to say the scriptures say that God is love. That's in 1 John 4. God is love. The Bible doesn't say God is wisdom, and we think wisdom is great, and it is, but it doesn't say God is wisdom. It doesn't say uh, God is prophecy. It doesn't say God is faith. Uh, it, it doesn't say God is generosity or sacrifice. It, 
Paul, all those things Paul talked about, those great things, it the Bible doesn't say God is any of those things. It doesn't reveal God. The Bible doesn't reveal God with any other word than love. That's, that's how it reveals who God is. Because love is prior, it is before everything else. It is, it is the starting point. It is the genesis of everything. And y'all, we don't often think this way, but the reason we even have a universe, the reason there is something, something rather than just a void, just nothing, the reason there is something rather than nothing is because of love. Love is um, a, a man who's dead now, but he lived uh, back in the 1200s. Um, he, he defined love this way. He said, to love, the, the definition of love is to will the good for the other. And when that happens, when you will the good, then, then you make a world. And that's what happened. Um, you make a universe, uh, if you're God, <laughs> that is. Um, and so uh, love it, it comes before everything else. And that's a hard truth because we want to receive love, but we often have a hard time knowing how to live in love. And if we're going to live an eternal kind of life, love is the genesis of that. So, let me put this another way. The tongues of men and angels, uh, the way we would say that today is uh, preaching, evangelism, cross-cultural competency, leadership. Uh, and as I said, leadership, Lane walked into the room. Uh, so, uh, what are the odds, Lane? What are the odds? Um, okay, uh, leadership. Uh, we, we think of all these, you know, kind of buzzwords like that. And Paul says, that's just noise. If it doesn't have a starting point of love, it's just noise. Now I want you to think about something. You know when somebody loves you. You know this. Because you know when somebody doesn't care. And you, you have a noise detector in you. Now I get some people can be, be, uh, can be sort of uh, hoodwinked or whatever. And, you know, church leaders, you know, they, they've built this person up and the church leader has some kind of a meltdown and they go, uh, you know, I thought that person was something, but that person's really not. But generally speaking, you, you can tell when there's noise happening. And Paul says, pay attention to that. Don't be, don't be um, distracted by somebody's charisma. Ask, is there love there? Um, pay attention. It's just noise. Prophecy. 
Paul says, if, if I have you know, the gift of prophecy, uh, wisdom, authority, discernment, truth-telling, you know, um, reliability. Paul said, zero, if it doesn't come from love. Or in other words, it, it, he's not really, let me, let me put this another way. There's a, there's a possibility that Paul is saying none of these things would even exist apart from love, in their, in their true form. Um, you can't, in other words, you would just be pretending to be a prophet um, if it didn't come from love. Faith, vision, fearlessness, confidence, courage. Again, zero. Faith in its true form doesn't really exist apart from love. Generosity, compassion, empathy, solidarity, Altruism. Paul says that's empty. It, true generosity doesn't exist apart from love. Sacrifice, that is devotion, commitment, loyalty, martyrdom, emptiness. True sacrifice comes from love. There's no such thing uh, as love alloyed with anything else. Um, love does, this is kind of sounds weird, I guess, but love doesn't bond with anything else. It, it enables everything. It's not bonded with something so that you can take it apart and have good uh, leadership, for instance, without love. You can't. It will always turn poisonous, and it will wreck people. Um, it love breathes life into everything. So, um, you ever heard this? And I, we've talked about this a little bit before. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, if you've been around church people, you've heard this, and I'm sorry you've heard it because it's not in the Bible. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I mean, that construction is not in the Bible. Love the sinner, hate the sin. We don't... <laughs> Listen to me now. I'm not sure we're that talented that, that we could even tell where the person ends and the sin begins. But we can't... We don't know that. As if we know somebody so well. And usually we say that about people we don't know, by the way. We say that about a class of people or, you know, uh, whatever. We don't even know those folks. And so we're, we're going, you know, uh, I can tell where that... Uh, I love the person, don't get me wrong. But if you notice when somebody says, don't get me wrong, uh, that means... Give me uh, carte blanche to say anything that I want to say. It's sort of like bless their heart. You know, you, 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 it's permission to say anything. Don't get me wrong now. Uh, and then you just go and blast, you know, uh, the thing, the person you're talking about. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yes? I disagree a little bit. Absolutely. So. Okay. Anyway, uh, we, uh, no, I'm kidding, Hope. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Please, please, go ahead. 
Yes. I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't agree with what they're doing. Well, no. So there's there's a difference there. And so the thing is about, you know, if you, you know, you can, you know, you can treat them differently, you can ostracize them or what have you, which has been done to people in the past with that lifestyle. And and I would say most of the time when, when we say love the sinner, hate the sin, we have no interest. I've never seen somebody have an overriding interest in carrying out an up close and personal life with somebody on a daily basis and living sacrificially for somebody who has love the sinner, hate the sin as the driving motto. Now, with a family member that you're talking about, uh, I, I get that, okay? Same, you know, depending on, you know, you can, if it's, if it's um, you know, a gay family member or if it's a, 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 a family member who is, uh, in, in, yeah, who is promiscuous or who, who is an addict or whatever. Uh, but let, let me say this. Somebody tweeted out, and, and let's take the gay family member as, a, as an example. Somebody, a, a religious leader in our denomination, tweeted recently. Um, he he thought he was being clever, and he he said reasons men should cuddle with each other, and and it was a blank. You know, he had a bunch. He had a big blank space, and he's known for his severe and harsh, you know, anti-gay stance or whatever. He's in fact an instructor at one of our seminaries, um, training church leaders. I hope that scares everybody. Uh, but anyway, um, and, and I want to say, when, when I see something like that, I want to say, just exactly what are you calling sin you know I mean if if men hold hands and let's just be let's just be really honest right here in our society it's it would cause a visceral reaction against uh, in many people but let's take a look at Jesus and John John lying against Jesus's chest I have never been at a dinner party where that's happened with another man and me but it happened at the Last Supper. And all I'm saying is we are, and actually somebody mentioned affection as, a, um, as a, an example or an evidence of love. And we would think little of that if we saw two women doing that. I mean, maybe more in, in, this, in today's climate or women holding hands or whatever. Exactly. Um, <laughs> But, but uh, and that was tender, that was so sweet just now. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is, and, and, and I am somewhat using hyperbole here too, Hope. I, I'm not saying there's, that 
love the sinner, hate the sin, is in the abstract wrong. But I'm not sure that we can be trusted uh, with that on a consistent basis. Does, does that make sense? I mean, how, how else do you get along with that person? How else do you live in harmony with that person? Well, no, I, I, I okay. I'm because, right. you know, you... Understood. You, you want to show love for them. Um, but, but... I think if you, if you condemn them for what they're doing, then you're not going to really reach them. But, right? but there so, is a, a... Right. But this is a family member you're talking about? Right. Okay. I, you don't... You, you're driving, uh, now I'm going out on a limb here, but I don't think you're driving motivation in your life with that family member. I don't think your motto for the life you have with that family member is love the sinner, hate the sin. Right. Okay, all right, and that's what I mean. If that's the animating feature, then, then we are, we are, we are, um, living sort of in a spiritual military state you know it, it, we have to police you know and there is a um you know jesus and the woman caught in adultery you know he he just loved the woman and what he said to her was he didn't say now i love you but i hate what you're doing and because there are many reasons that a person would do uh, a certain thing. And um, in particular, uh, there are, there's enough, you know, sin can rarely be boiled down to a cause, you know. There, there, it's a vast tangled network. Sin is missing the mark. And, uh, but what Jesus said to the woman, he didn't say, now, I love you, but I hate what you're doing. He Could he have said that? Uh, yeah, he could have. But even he said, I want you to go and live your life. And do not, he said, go and sin no more. He said, I want you to live your life and I want you to find what is good. And um, this was Jesus. If we do, if anything, we could say to people, um, I am with you and, and we could place ourselves in that too. Jesus never sinned, so he didn't place himself on that level. But he said, but we can say to people, I am with you and I want us to find what is good together. Um, and even Jesus didn't say that to the woman until after he had stood with her at a very dangerous moment in which the letter of the law would have been fulfilled by her stoning. And so he, he sort of, he pushed back on the letter of the law and he said, there's, there's more at stake here than what you think there is. And so I, I'm just saying 
when we, when we have an unbending motto that says love the sinner, hate the sin, we are going to see if people measure up to that rather than seeing people first and then uh, helping uh, to understand where they are and how they live and entering into conversation with them about that. And that does not mean that we cannot tell the difference between good and evil. That does not mean that we cannot tell the difference between sin and righteousness. What it does mean is that we are um, seeking to love first and then to begin to help that person or sometimes that may be even too condescending. We are seeking to understand um, who a person is and how we might be a help and not a hindrance in that person's life towards righteousness. And that's a lot harder and more complex. And, and you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You, you love the family members that you have and y'all disagree on what it means to live well and, and live in, in um, a way that is life-giving. But this is why you have to live together so that you can continue to have this conversation. Um, so I, I, I take your point that um, if, if I just throw out, you know, if I say we need to throw out love the sinner, hate the sin, um, then I, I'm, I'm probably risking throwing out too much. So I will be more careful there, but I, I just want us to hear that at least that in a in a an exaggerated sense or in a, in a hyperbole there, so that we can. Anytime we say love the sinner, hate the sin, we that ought to give us pause. We ought to say, well, do I really am I do I really understand the difference between the sinner and sin and, and Am I calling, you know, am I, how much am I lumping together in that sinful category, which is just simply my opinion, and how much of the person am I neglecting? You know, I mean, we really need to be careful there. Anybody have a, yes, Lane? I was just going to say, you know, I think it's important to think about how does that get heard by other people, too? Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, you're so, right. I would suggest that it would be a good idea to, to just abandon using that terminology just because... Love the sinner, hate the sinner. Yeah, sin. because how does that hit someone else who hears that? Like, if you, it makes it sound like you think they're a sinner and you're not, for one thing. And um, it, it comes across mm. pretty harsh, whereas what you're really trying to say with that phrase is you're trying to differentiate the person from their behavior. And you're saying, I want to love the person even if I don't love their behavior. Well, that's a more gentle way of saying it than love the center of the sin. I mean, think about how it's going to be heard by someone. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And, and let's, let me hear, let me hear from you back, uh, Hope. You, the, the, your brain is going 90 miles an hour here, I can see. But um, yeah, I threw a bunch of words at you, but respond. Yeah, I think that you can 
there's a balance. You, you love that person, and I think, of course, you, you would disagree with their lifestyle, or behavior, whatever you want to call okay. it. And in showing still love for that person, respect for that person, you can maybe help them reconcile what they're doing. Okay, yeah. At, at that time. Uh, I'm just saying, if you, if you say, well, you're, you're committed to sin, I'm like this, you know, get out, I'm going to deal with you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not good either. And I think, I mean, basically that's what Christ did for us, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he, he died for a reason. That's right. He loved us, but that's the price for sin had to be paid. And so that's, so that's, that's how I, you know. Well, and, and to your point, I mean, he, Christ did do that for us. It, he spent his time, the scriptures tell us, with sinners and tax collectors. That's, that's the construction, the, the, the linguistic construction that's used often. My guess is that he did not sit at dinners and say, now you men, I mean, this is good food and all, but you do realize that I still think it's all sin, sin that you're doing, right? Okay, now that we've squared that away, let's talk, how's your day? You know, I mean, he's, that there is not this cleanly separated kind of thing. Let's 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 review again. Sin. What do I consider sin? Cheating on your say it together. Cheating on your wife. Okay, defrauding people of rightfully earned income. And what is it? We went over this. Do you not remember the? Worshiping idols, good, good, okay, uh, or whatever. You know, he, he didn't continually review that and said, but you do know I love you, don't you? I mean, we cannot cleanly separate it out like that. We have to live with people and allow them, allow their lives to, to bubble up and allow them to talk. And, you know, um, there is a sense in which sometimes we can be around people and fam this happens in families a lot too where there is just under the surface there's this animosity you know but you're you are you've sort of buried that hatchet in a very very shallow grave and um you, but you you know you kind of keep the peace and you know you're nice and you know sweet to one another i love you I love you. We're, you know, yeah, exactly. Thick and thin. You know, we're we're together. You know, but you don't dare, you know, dig down too deep because how how obvious is it to you that there is something lurking just below the surface? Pretty obvious. And how high is the tension? It's pretty high. Pass the salt, please. You know that that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I'm afraid that when we when we face things, and this is to Lane's point a little bit, how it's heard is, but don't cross that line with me. You know, I'm afraid that we're you know. So we we have to do the tough work of getting down close and not and even even pushing back on punishment that people would otherwise receive. Jesus pushed back on punishment for this woman that the law dictated. He pushed back on that. Well, was he winking at sin? No. 
but he 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 said there is a redeemable fellowship here. You gave her an opportunity to redeem herself. Well, yeah, but even he, but he didn't just say, "Now, don't screw this up, sweetie. You barely escaped, and if I hadn't been here, you would have been pelted by stones. You're welcome." You know, don't. I mean, he. It was more. I mean, and I don't. I don't mean to just yeah. roll all over that, but I. I just. Um, we have to be very careful. You know, he wasn't just going. Okay, you can have another chance. One chance. You know, he. Uh, he was saying, there is more for you. And whatever it may be. Um, and, and I want with you. In a sense, he was saying to her, oh, I gotta be careful here, but I think he was saying to her, you're, I know you're doing the best you can, but there is, a life yet to be lived here. That's deeper than you might have imagined. And I didn't want those people to screw it up for you. But I don't want anybody to screw it up for you. You know. So go. And live deeply and remember this moment and live according to this moment, you know. I, I think if when he saw her, when he saw him, when she saw him advocating for her, I think, I think that spoke more loudly than a hundred Bible lessons would have been, would have spoken to her. Because that was the heart of any lesson that you could ever hope to give is, I love you. And I'm willing to risk being seen as somebody who shields a sinner from her comeuppance because I love you that much. And... I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, Hope. I, I really am at this point. I'm so off script that it doesn't even... Uh, I, um, so is, is that... I mean, what What do you have to no, say? Help me out here. I guess the cliches mentioned, we have to just be careful. Yeah, we, we do. General, we do. Terms, so. We do. What... <laughs> No, what? No, no, I want to hear them. I know, I want to hear them. Really? No, I really do. What are What are your thoughts? Well, I had three. Okay. We'll connect afterwards. Uh, what? Uh, okay. What is it? Even if I recognize 
recognize the sin in someone else's life, I have no power to change it. Ooh, yeah. Like, I can't even change the sin in my own life. Ooh. And that's where the rubber really meets the road for me, because I've been reminded recently how very much I'm still capable of sin. Mm. So how will that measure be held against me? No, what is it? It's really. You, I drove it out of your skull? Okay, alright, whatever. Um, I'm sure you'll think of it and interrupt me again. Um, okay, uh, I'm just kidding. Okay, alright. Anybody? Yes, Kevin. She says that even though she sees somebody committing a sin, she has no power to change them. But I think influence is another way we love. And I think we can show some influence. Hopefully, to that person that may get them on the track thinking about yeah. what they're doing yeah, yeah. and eventually cause them to change. You spurred something in with what you just said. You spurred something in my thinking. Uh, am I interrupting you? <laughs> Did I interrupt you? No. Okay. You spurred something in my thinking just now, and that is a person, none of us would have the power, none of us has the power to live any differently than we're living until we receive love. Until we are loved. That person that Jesus advocated for, she didn't, I, I, would, I would dare say, and this is what it means to be caught in sin. To be trapped. To be inundated. We cannot save ourselves. <coughs> however you want to put it. Until we're loved. Until we, we receive an infusion of love. We have no power to do anything. Now, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um... I mean, we all need to smoke that. Um, sounds weird. I'm sorry. Hashtag. Uh, okay. Um, hashtag. Oh, that's... Okay. Um, anyway, we'll strike that out of the record. Uh, okay. Um, but... but we, Huh? Oh, Lord. Okay. All right. Now, uh, but, but seriously, y'all... We are, we are powerless in sin until, until primarily, really, until God uh, loves us, until we, we receive in an interactive way that, in, uh, that infusion of love. And you have the power to love somebody which might give that person, which will give that person the power to act. Wow. Okay. I'm just still thinking out loud. Uh, okay. Um, <coughs> uh, I think we're um, just about done here. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes, Lucas. Lucas wants to talk. Can Lucas talk? Sorry, I love you. I feel it. 
by accountability police work no I'm serious well first and foremost we're accountable to God all of us are accountable to God we have to give an account to God one day we will and the question is uh, you know, read Matthew 25. The question is, did you love me when you saw me in need of love? In prison, sick, you know. Did you love me? And so it's, a, it's, it's really a sobering kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> how can we live in love? Uh, I would... I would say, first of all, be, we need to become weak with people. We need to enter into people's weakness. The John 8 model, and I even hate to call it a model, like it's some you know, action step. Uh, the John 8 story of Jesus um, getting down on the ground with that woman caught in adultery and um, pushing back on her rightful punishment. He was weak with her. And when she saw that, that was love. Who is weak that needs you to join them in weakness. And what does that mean? How do you join a person? It, this is gonna, it, it's gonna take different forms depending on the circumstance. And this was Jesus' brilliance. He paid close enough attention that he saw an opening. And, and it wasn't without risk. What he did was risky with this woman. He risked upstaging his entire credibility. And in fact, he did. I think Jesus said, I don't have much credibility left to lose, is probably truth be told. But that's just the thing. His credibility didn't matter, you know? And with us, it sure matters a lot. You're going to ruin your witness if you do that. I used to hear that all the time. You're going to ruin your witness if you're seen at that place or at that party. Young people, you're going to ruin your witness. What is a young, young person supposed to do but try to live Pollyanna? And then you don't soil yourself with the yucky world. And then you have, you know, this dividing line. That's kind of like Jesus was looking out on the people he was associated with himself. 
Yep. 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 Love is the sermon that they must hear. Not a lesson in behavior. They, you know, whoever they are, we too. But we give lessons in behavior without giving love or a sermon in love. And what that means is without getting down with them and pushing back against the forces that are so painful and powerful in their lives. Yes? If, you know, you're talking about ruining our witness, and if there's anything that would ruin our witness, you know, it's kind of a, an extreme statement, but it would be that quote, because it's not only is it not in the Bible, but it was coined by God in his autobiography. And when I Googled the, the phrase, one of the things that came up was an article in USA Today that was going back to the origin of the quote in critiquing a pastor who used it as a sermon topic. And the phrase was? Hate the sin. Oh, hate the... Okay. Really? But yeah, it's from... He, he borrowed it from Augustine, but he rephrased it into this little phrase. A little sound bite. And it's become so common look back to the origin so now they know it a lot of people know the origin so if you say well i you know if you verbalize the phrase i hate the sin love the sinner they uh-huh. could be like well not only is that not in the bible but you're quoting a religious leader that isn't even your religion and then my head exploded <laughs> um okay amazing but if August, if Augustine was the first one who said it, it was a Christian origin. He didn't say exactly that. Yeah, he 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 said something, he said that something else that was twisted into. Okay, got it. Of course he did because he was Augustine. Um, okay, uh, so bottom line, nothing, nothing that we can do amounts to anything unless it has its origin in love. And love looks like entering into somebody's weakness and, and living with them and pushing back against what hurts them. Now, there are, let's go back to your family member. We're going to close here in just a second. Let's go back to your family members or mine. We all have family members, I guess, that that are, you know, black sheep or errant in some way, or that you know, sort of have strayed off, whatever, and and have caused pain in the family. But what happens is, we we either bury the hatchet in a shallow grave, or we continually give them lectures on behavior, or we cut off communication. But often, well, I would say always, there are other issues at work in that person's life that are causing all kinds of pain. All kinds of pain. 
and including and, and added, added to that is the pain of family members acting in certain ways that cause pain towards them. If, if you said, I, I'm going to set, I'm just going to stop talking about the problem with this person and instead I'm going to be a shield and you can you can do this in a dysfunctional way you can just sort of act as a um, as a uh, self-appointed guardian for the person I'm not talking about that but I'm talking about um, helping a person process pain and um, being an advocate for that person if the person sees that in your life and sees you acting in that way there is going to be some trust built up and you can push back even against other family members without it without acting hatefully towards other family members you can say you know that sounds hurtful when you say that about Billy um, you know I mean, there are ways that you can talk in, in an advocating way uh, about a family member. All I'm saying is, in that particular instance, what does pushing back on the pain look like? Like, like it did with Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Taking that as a paradigm what would that translate into with a family member or with somebody else uh, in in life uh, in your life what would that look like what would it look like um, I have a thought experiment that I, I'm going to close with this there is a there's a family member, speaking of family members, um, I have a family member who is going through a horrid time right now, and I'm not sure how it's going to end. Um, and I'm, I'm scared. And, um, and that's an understatement. And I'm, and there are some other people that I know of in my life who are I'm not related to, whom I know, or whom I suspect are not Christians at all. And I am. I am in the place of great weakness because I am afraid for my this family member. And I am wondering, and this is my thought experiment that may become actual, uh, I don't know, but my thought experiment is I'm, I'm wondering what it would be like to go to one of these people that I, I'm pretty sure is not a Christian and say, do you ever pray? Because I think God would pay attention if you did.
And would you pray for this family member and give them a little bit of information as to what's going on? Because I wonder if that, if I were to, and I, I, the reason I hesitate is because I, I don't want to as I don't want to use my family member's pain as a tool for uh, evangelism. But I, I'm just wondering if I took a chance and said, would you pray? I wonder what would happen in that person's life. Would you pray for my family member. I wonder what would happen in that person's life. If I opened a door and said, God might hear you too, if you reached out. And in my weakness came to somebody. I wonder if that would be a, a turning point in that person's life. Does that even make any sense? Evangelism through weakness, um, rather than I've got some news you need to hear, and you know I've got eternal life and my soul's at peace, and so I want to share it with you. I'm coming to this person in tatters, myself in tatters, saying, "Would you help me?" And seeing what where that might lead. Yes. It sounds like evangelism through honesty. Evangelism through honesty. Yeah, maybe so. Just being honest. I'm also, yeah, yeah. And I'm also desperate enough, really, to want anybody that'll pray to pray. But, but I'm also thinking if good can come out of that, maybe that's a form of getting down into the dirt, you know, like Jesus did with that woman and, and sort of pushing back and saying, God, you know, God would welcome you too, you know. Specifically because you're a pastor for someone who's not a believer to have a pastor say to them, it, it I may am be. struggling. Yeah. Would you pray for me? Yeah. I think that is a real, but I don't know if weakness I think is the word as much as it is just genuineness and honesty and saying. Mm. And you and you said it, I wonder if it would be more powerful for you to say, would you pray for me? That's exactly and would you pray for me? Right. Yeah, that's probably rather than just for my, would you pray for me? Because I'll take it. They probably already have some kind of relationship. Probably care. They do. Yeah, they do. They do. So, yeah. Yeah, that's even more to the point. Can we pray for you? Because they don't know the family member. What? Can we pray for you, please? No. No. Yes, that would be awesome. Can we, like, you come over here and all of us lay hands on you? Because it seems like this is a real thing that is happening. It is a real thing. It is a real thing. There is a family member. Yeah. Let us love you. I will take it. I will take it. I will take it. I guess this is how we're going to end tonight. <laughs>